This is the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the inside track on Liverpool FC's next opponents. Hello and welcome to the latest Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel. I'm your host, Matt Addison, alongside me, Jordan Blackwell from Leicestershire Live, here to look ahead to what should be a top-of-the-table cracker this evening. Premier League champions Liverpool, of course, hosting Premier League leaders Leicester City at 7.15pm tonight at Anfield. Jordan, first of all, welcome along to the Blood Red podcast. How are you getting on? Yeah, not so bad, thank you. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. We will uh, get straight into the main sort of proportion of the podcast then. And we'll start with a, a slightly generic look at the match of the whole of the match as a whole, I should say. How big a game is this for Leicester and how good a, a contest do you think it could be? I, I think it's a it, it's a really big game for Leicester in terms of wanting to to prove again that they are uh they are a top of the table team. They are. Uh, they do deserve to be um, up at the top. They've won all of their away games so far in um, in the Premier League and in the Europa League. Obviously, got those uh, that those very impressive wins at Manchester City and Arsenal. Um, and I think it, it was it was the really big games where they came unstuck last season. Um, it, it tended. Under under previous managers, it tended to be uh, a little bit different. That they tended to struggle uh, against maybe teams towards the bottom. And actually, when it came to those sort of big games, um, that they were uh, they did okay. But we saw last season they were um, in both of the games against Manchester City and both the games against Liverpool. They were uh, soundly beaten. I know the the game at Anfield last season was decided by that late penalty, but I, I personally thought that. Um, Liverpool were, were fully deserving of the victory on the on the balance of play. So I think it's going to be a case of actually Leicester proving that they're they're a better team and that they've sort of bridged the gap slightly between um, themselves and Liverpool. Um, which, uh, given the injury situations, I think they might be able they might be able to do. Yeah, you, you sort of referenced the injury situation there. Liverpool's injuries very well documented. I'm sure, you know, Reds fans will be well aware of them. But Leicester have pretty much been decimated as well so far this season. I'm aware that we're obviously recording this at a couple of days in advance. But who do you expect to, to be the big players missing for Leicester? And how will they line up as a result? Well, it, it's thankfully the, the, the players that have come in have done very well. So it's... Although there are key players missing, and I think uh, Wilfred and Didi will still be out, uh, Charles Soyuncu uh, and Ricardo Pereira, he, he's obviously been out since March, um, and he's probably, uh, I think many Leicester fans would probably say he's the, he's the team's best player. Um, he was expected to, the kind of the date was set on after the international break for him, but I think it's probably a, a too big a game to throw him straight back in after so many months out. So I think they're the three that will be um, out. I think the, there's been question marks over a few players. Wesley Fofana, the new young centre-back who's hit the ground running, has been superb. Uh, he had to pull out of international duty, but he looks like he will be okay. Um, Timothy Castagna is the, uh, the other one, uh, another summer signing who's missed the past four games with the hamstring problem. He's now back in training. Um, and so he could line up uh, in the team as well. Um, so I'd expect it to be Kasper Schmeichel in goal after he recovered from his um, head knock. I'm sure 
a few people will have seen that him getting a, a right blow to the head playing for Denmark, but he seems to have um, recovered from that. Uh, and I think it will be a kind of back five with either Castagna or Albrighton at right wing back, back the the sort of the central three of Fafana, Evans and uh, Fuchs, and then probably James Justin at uh, left wing back, uh, a midfield two of Tielemans and Mendy, Vardy up front, and then take your pick of the players behind, uh, sort of the two supporting players behind Vardy, probably Madison and Dennis Pratt, but Harvey Barnes uh, could also play in there. Obviously, Madison and Barnes both left out of the England squad, so they'll hopefully be uh, fresh and, and feeling like they have something to, to prove. Yeah, we'll touch on a couple of those players in a little bit more depth shortly. But I just wanted to ask you, before we continue as well, about the, the pay-per-view uh, sort of situation. I believe Leicester were the only ones to, to vote against that. And this was one of those matches that, that would have been pay-per-view had that decision not been reversed. So do, do you know why Leicester were to, the only club to, to vote against that? It was just It was just a feeling that it would be... They're very in touch with with what the fans think um, at Leicester. Um, and I think uh, it's, it's Susan Whelan, the, the chief executive, is um, extremely good in her role. Uh, and I think it was because they are maybe more in touch with fans um, than, than other clubs. I think there was a feeling that it wouldn't go down well. Uh, and uh, it, it really didn't go down well, hence it being scrapped after you know uh, a few weeks. So I think I think that was it. And I think there's um, there was a little bit of controversy at, at Leicester in the summer around um, season ticket uh, prices um, and fans having to pay uh, for a season ticket, not knowing whether they would get games. They were, I think it was about seventy pounds. Um, you know, and not knowing how many games that that would cover, so I think there was a, was a that was a rare misstep in terms of Leicester's um, approach towards fans, and so maybe it was a case of um, the club realizing that and realizing that this would be, you know, to make to, to ask fans to pay fourteen pounds ninety five on top of all the subscriptions they were already paying um, wasn't going to go down well, and I know lots of Leicester fans as fans did across the country that they boycotted it. There was, um, you know, charities, people sending the money to charities and food banks and things like that. And, you know, choosing to follow the game in other ways. So, um, yes, I'm not surprised it's been scrapped and I'm, I'm very pleased that it has been. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of, of Premier League fans would have applauded Leicester for that decision. Just before we go into the game as well, another player that I wanted to ask you about was Ben Chilwell, obviously left Leicester for Chelsea over the summer, a player that Liverpool did have a, a bid rejected for, I think, four seasons or so ago. A, a very, very good left-back. Liverpool obviously ended up with Andy Robertson. Do you think Leicester were right to, to keep him as long as they did? Did they get the right money for him? And how have they replaced him? Yeah, well, they, it was... Um... Yes, I think the the Liverpool interest was when he was on loan at Huddersfield, and David obviously David uh, Wagner and Jurgen Klopp have a relationship, so I think that was that was where that uh, came from. But I think it was uh, yes, Leicester were right to keep him at the time because he was clearly a um, you know he clearly had the talent um, to be a big player for the club. Although he, he, it was a it was kind of a when he was kind of sort of four 
you know, 14, 15, 16, that kind of age, it wasn't expected that he would, you know, go on to be, um, you know, uh, you know, an England international, but he kind of, he, he was a bit of a late developer. Um, and obviously came into the first team, he was um, under Claude Puel. I think there was debate as to whether he kind of struggled early on. I think there was debate over whether he should be playing and whether Christian Fuchs should still be playing. Uh, Puel persisted with him and he did improve. And I think there was um, certainly the first half of the, uh, not last season, but the season before, um, he was uh, extremely good. Um, and I think it's a case that Leicester have kind of developed this pattern of selling one key player per summer. Um, previously, Maguire, Kante, Drinkwater, Mares, um, and Chilwell was the one to go this summer. But I think if you'd if you'd ask Leicester fans to list the players that they would be most concerned about selling, I don't think Chilwell would have been near the top. I think um, I think there was there were fans that were maybe getting slightly uh, annoyed at his performances. He wasn't uh, he wasn't in top form, although I thought in the sort of the, the project restart games, I thought he was one of Leicester's best players. But, but before that, um, he, he'd had a few struggles. But um, so, yes, I think it was it was the right deal for Leicester uh, this time. It was the, the right player to sell. They've got a they've got a decent fee for him. And I'm sure Chua will go on to have a very good career. But I don't think uh, Leicester fans are particularly missing him. Timothy Castagna has been brought in sort of as a replacement. He's, he's naturally right-footed, but can play on both sides. But but so can James Justin uh, as well. So um, it's Justin that's been playing on the left. But Castagna came in, scored on his debut, I think racked up uh, three assists in his first few games as well. Uh, they've got Luke Thomas coming through, um, another young academy left-back. Um, and there's high hopes for him as well. He's already playing for England under-20s. Um, he's already... You know, played he's sort of further ahead than Chilwell was at, at the same age um they're very different different types of players but um but I think there's high hopes for him as well so I think the club felt they could get away with selling Chilwell without it being too much of a uh, an issue um and um yeah it's it's proven that it's proven to be that so far I don't think there's too many Leicester fans that feel like uh it's, it was the wrong decision <laughs> Behind enemy lines on the Blood Red Channel. I think a lot like Liverpool, the, the recruitment side of things for Leicester is, you know, a, a big, big strength for them. They seem to, to make the decisions at, at the right time. One that has been impressing, I believe, so far is Wesley Fofana. You ex- said it before you expect him to, to start at, at Anfield. I mean, I really like the look of him, as I say, but, you know, how has he settled and, and how excited are you about him? Uh, extremely, um, extremely excited. I think it, you come to expect, I think when players come from overseas, you kind of feel like you need to give them a little bit of patience because it's coming to a, a, a new league and a, a new style of play. Um, bearing in mind this, you know, this is a 19 year old um, who, when he arrived at Leicester, had played 30 senior matches in his career, uh, was coming in as the club's, uh, second biggest ever signing uh, behind Jiri Tielemans. Um And you would think, okay, well, he's going to need a little bit of time. Brendan Rodgers has, has said a fair few times uh, he's going to make mistakes because he is still a teenager. Uh, but he, he's not put a single foot wrong in his first seven games. Um, 
obviously Leicester he played 90 minutes over the past uh, over last Leicester's last seven games and they've won their, their last six uh, and he's been a big part of that he is um, he's supremely confident as you as you may expect um, in terms of his ability on the ball uh, you know sort of passing between the passing between the lines dribbling it out from the back um, but defensively he's excellent in the tackle he's very good in the air he's very quick for a centre back too um, so he's not going to he's not going to lose too many races there was one particular moment in the the Wolves game the Leicester's last game where he sort of cut out a, a dangerous cross having sort of uh, sprinted back um, which was uh, extremely impressive um, and I think yeah he's a uh, it's I mean there's already of course there's already people talk, sort of you know trying to farm him to to maybe more high profile clubs because I think he is that uh, that good I think club well obviously Leicester's former manager and St Etienne's manager where Leicester bought him from he was saying that he he wanted to keep him for one more season because he thought you know they could double his price and he could go to a, a, an even bigger club um you know in a year's time um which that doesn't surprise having now seen him in action for for even seven games that doesn't surprise me um it's it's to be honest uh, it's hard to find a single weakness in his game um so and i think particularly the way Leicester are playing at the minute with this kind of um back three back five uh, however you want to describe it where he's playing kind of as one of the the side centre backs, if you like, of the of the back three, um, that gives him a little bit more freedom to actually carry the ball out of defence. Um, so I, I think that that really suits him, uh, and I think yes, I think he's going to be certainly if the first seven games or anything go by, he's going to be uh, an exceptional um, player. Yeah, certainly one to, to watch out for. Just in, in front in the midfield, you mentioned James Madison and, and Harvey Barnes earlier, neither of them in the England squad. James Madison, first of all, I, I really, really like him. Reminds me almost of, of Felipe Coutinho in the way that he gets into those little pockets of space and can shoot from distance, can create things from nothing. I mean, first of all, why was he not in the England squad, do you think? And, and secondly, there was not much transfer interest as far as I'm aware in him over the summer, which to me seems slightly odd. Yeah, well, I think the the England situation was a, a case that he has been he has been injured. And I think up to um, when the England squad was announced, I think he'd only started one Premier League game. He started a few in the, the Europa League as well, and whenever he'd come into games, he um, as a substitute, he played very well. But I think if you're Gareth Southgate and you're thinking, you know, there are lots of talented players, so I think he's probably thought, well, Madison's only played. 90 minutes a couple of times uh it's probably too soon for him um i know there's been concern previously with england about madison being a number 10 and there and england not playing with a number 10 uh and whether he fits and whether he fits in because of that but i think last season when he played a slightly deeper role and he had to really work on the defensive side of his game i think he really did that uh and actually although he's perhaps sort of assist uh, and creativity numbers dropped a little bit. He was excellent in his sort of defensive work rate and getting stuck in and his pressing and things like that. Um, but yeah, he's a, he, he's an exceptional player. Um, I think the, the way he, um, the way he twists and turns, the, he's, the way he escapes defenders attention, I think is, is really impressive, uh, you know, with a body faint here and there. Um, 
and he's a uh, yeah he's a uh, he's very very good i think there's a i think we're slowly starting to see him back to his best now i think obviously he had hip surgery in the summer and it's taken a little while uh for him to um to get back to his best i think in terms of the transfer interest um maybe it's a case of you know there's not too many clubs now that um that it that it's a step up from Leicester, um, and I think maybe there maybe there are question marks over of, over that defensive work previously. I I don't know, but I, I'm I, I have to say I'm surprised. There's all, surprised. There's always uh, Manchester United have always been uh, sort of linked, but um, no, I think maybe the fact that he was he was always going to sign a new contract that was kind of talked about you know, for the whole of the year and it, it was eventually signed uh, in the summer. Um, maybe that sort of put people off, uh, put clubs off. So uh, maybe we'll see in the future. Well, well he's, he's a young, talented English player. The rumours are going to persist. Um, but uh, I think Leicester fans would uh, feel hopeful of um, keeping him for a little, keeping him for a little while longer yet. Yeah, I think one thing we do know is that if they were to sell him, they'd squeeze the absolute most out of him, <laughs> yeah. particularly if Manchester United were interested in him. Harvey Barnes is another one tentatively linked with Liverpool at, at times. I mean, again, just looks at a really talented player, really great to watch. How good do you think he could become? Well, I, I think he's, um, I think he's excellent. I think um, he. I think, I think Rogers has said this. He's he's different from perhaps the the usual wingers that you see um in the England squad I, don't, I know he was he was in the England squad in October and was left out this time and I think if Southgate is only going to pick four kind of wide players if you like um I think Sterling Sancho Rashford Grealish are probably all slightly better um and so it doesn't so it's not surprising from from that point of view but I do think he he does offer something different because he is unbelievably direct. And I think it, I mean, you think of, um, yeah, I don't think you could, you could say that some of those, those England players I just mentioned are direct, but literally every touch Barnes makes gets him closer to goal. His first touch is always, he ne- when he receives the ball to feet, he rarely takes a touch to control it. His first touch is knock it and go. And I think he's, if you were to watch him as a player, you, you perhaps wouldn't say, he looks really skillful because he's not not like you know Grealish. He's not he's throwing stepovers in all the time and things like that and playing cute little passes. That's not really what Barnes does. He's just supremely effective. Um, he's he's very quick. Plays on the uh, he, he exploits the spaces he uh, and things like that. He gets into the box. He's good at sort of playing one twos and things like that without it sort of looking like he's a, a sort of a. A master passer um but uh, i think he's um no he's very very good and i think he's there's always been concerns over his finishing at, at leicester uh he's sort of one of those players that seemed to get himself into good positions and create chances for himself all the time but kind of lacked the the, the finishing but he's um he's improving in that regard now so uh yes he will be uh very very good and he's a he's a local lad as well he grew up um in Leicestershire so I think um, fans are, are really keen to see him uh, see him do well and flourish 
I have to ask about Jamie Vardy as well. He doesn't seem to be slowing down too much, even though he's sort of getting on as a, a player a little bit now. Does this season's success for Leicester hinge on him staying fit? Probably. Uh, I think there's a, a... The thing is, when Kelechi Inacho is the, 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 the reserve striker, and when he has played in the Europa League... Um, He's done very well against lesser sides. He's uh, he does a he does a decent job. He's a very different striker to Vardy. He's not going to play on the last man. He's not going to sprint in behind. Although Rogers is trying to encourage him encourage him to do that more. Um, but I think against the top sides, that's where Leicester miss Vardy if he's not playing. Um, so yes, I think you would say the. I mean the team as for such a long time now, the team has kind of been built around Jamie Vardy, you know, leading the line. Uh, the likes of Yuri Tielemans, James Madison, Harvey Barnes know how he plays. They know where he's going to be. They know the sorts of passes they they can play. Uh, Mark Albright is another one. They're, they're on the same wavelength all the time. Um, so I think that's the that's probably the key thing, that they know where he's going to be. They know the runs he makes. So it, it becomes a lot easier to attack. Um in that regard um and yes he's just he's he's much more uh he's a much more well-rounded striker than i think he's he's often given credit for i think the kind of reputation that was that was built during the title winning season was that he's extremely fast uh and a decent finisher um i think he i think he has developed i think he's but i think that it's kind of his touch the the intelligence of his movement um the way he links play uh, I think that's all developed massively. And I think that's a, an underrated part of his game. And as you say, I, he doesn't seem to be slowing down. I think the fact that he only sort of entered professional football in his mid-20s means that he's got more years in him than perhaps you would expect of someone who turns 34 in a, in a couple of months' time. Yeah, certainly a, still a key player for, for Brendan Rodgers. I have to, to ask you quickly about him as well, uh, just generally about the, the job that he's done at Leicester and really what the aim is for Leicester this season off the back of that? Well, he's, he's done um, he's done an outstanding job. I think since he arrived, um, which was probably sort of uh, more than 18 months ago now, uh, Leicester have the fourth best record in the Premier League. He has developed nearly all of the players. I think there was a where Claude Powell perhaps didn't do such a good job was kind of keeping everyone happy. I think uh, Rogers has been terrific in that. He's a very good man-manager. Um, there are players like Christian Fuchs and Wes Morgan who under Claude Powell looked like they were heading for the exit. But under Rogers have become key players again. I think Christian Fuchs has started six games in a row uh, for, the, and it was for the first time in three years. Um, and he's been exceptional, and Leicester, you know, won all those games. So I think that's where he's he's very good. When fringe players have to come in, they always do well because Rogers is very good at keeping them involved and making sure that, um, you know, if if they are on the fringes of the squad, and then they have to come in, then they know their role. Uh, they don't feel disappointed by the fact that they're you know, being left out or whatever. Um, so he's very very good at that. And yeah, as I say, I think a lot of the players have. Uh, improved under his um, uh, under his leadership. So yes, I think he, he he's been uh, exceptional for Leicester. I think he would probably say he's a he's a better manager now than he was when he was at Liverpool. I think he's fairly open in that. 
the aims for Leicester, they never sort of publicly um, said, but I think it's to bridge that gap between um, between the the top, the sort of the big six, uh, and the rest. I think Leicester are the club. Um, I know there's a, there's maybe a few candidates, but I think Leicester are the the best club at, at trying to bridge that gap. Maybe making it a, a big seven, but I think the with the way they recruit players, obviously they don't have the resources of any of those clubs, but I think with the way they recruit and with Rogers as manager, they have a very good chance of doing that. Um, winning a trophy is a big thing as well. Obviously, he had a lot, Rogers had a lot of success at Celtic in terms of winning trophies, and I think that will be uh, a key thing. So uh, I think it will be interesting sort of towards March, April time when the knockout stages of the, the Europa League comes come around. I think at the minute, Leicester have won their first three games and look like they're going to qualify from their group. So uh, I think when the when the knockout stages come around, I think it may be a case that they take precedent over the Premier League. Um, obviously, Leicester will, will try and com- compete in both, but I think um, winning a trophy is, is a is a big thing. Obviously, the FA Cup, Leicester have never won that either, so to win that would be would be a big deal for the club. And I think Rogers appreciates that. So yes, I think bridging the gap to the big six and maybe it's ensuring that Leicester are contenders for a place in the top six every season and winning a trophy at some point. Um, they're, the, uh, they're the key aims. Yeah, certainly uh, an exciting time for Leicester, some exciting players and an exciting manager as well. And hopefully that's put our listeners even more in the mood to see the Reds play again this evening. I'm sure after an international break, they didn't need too much encouragement for that. Thank you very much for, for joining me, Jordan. Just before we do finish, I will ask for a score prediction for the game. <laughs> I'm going to go, I think, for 2-1 for to Liverpool. I think they might just edge it, but I do think Leicester will score. What do you think? I'm not going to be too optimistic because I know how difficult this game is. Um, I do think the way Liverpool play and the way the way Klopp sets up, I think Liverpool seem to have the best, seem, seem to know how to beat Leicester, perhaps more than any other team uh, in the country. But I will be optimistic enough to say that they'll get a point so uh yeah i'll say one one yeah we will see how it happens and of course no matter the outcome you'll be able to follow it all across the liverpool echo website and blood red too the post-game podcast will be back after full time while i'll be live on youtube with guy clark for the debrief at the final whistle for all of your post-match reaction and analysis needs for now though thank you for listening enjoy the rest of the build-up to the game from myself matt addison it's goodbye for now You've been listening to the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel.